Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, where we talk all soccer in the DMV. My name is Jose Omania, sports writer for the Sports Pulse. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how you doing this evening? Man, I am doing wonderful. The birds are chirping. The world is anew. And we found out that the back line for DC United has more accuracy than Chicharito Hernandez. There's some factual information there that I'm going to be scared to discuss. So we'll get to those topics and how the back line is scoring more goals in a second. But we have ourselves time to celebrate. It hasn't been a while that we could do this, but DC and I won a game. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, DC and I finally won a game. It took nine matches. They were on a not. It ends their nine match win, winless streak as they beat Cincinnati two uh, one. Donovan Pines and Chris Adui Atom with two with the University of Maryland double with Atom scoring his first career MLS goal and also the game winner. Before we get into the particulars and the audio for the press conferences. Uh, Mario, what were your thoughts overall on how United played? They played really well. Uh, honestly, it was about time that they finally got three points. It had been a month, so I, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy on the way they played. They were able to press Cincinnati for the most part. They were able to control the tempo of the games for a good portion of it. Uh, Cincinnati was able to play, play pretty well in the midfield for a, cu- for a couple stretches there, in particular in the second half. But overall, the performance was good, and the result shows it in, shows it in the end. Yeah, most definitely. If you only saw this match from the stats, you would see that Cincinnati, towards the end, received some garbage times, you know, possession, and some shots that totaled up or even passed how many United had overall. However, overall on the night, United was the better team offensively, defensively. They were stout, ready to stop it. You know, Jow, uh, Joe Jow is a very good midfielder for Cincinnati, who's very pacey on the wing, was just very limited. Really didn't do much at all. And Megan Lua, or whatever the guy's name is, the, <laughs> the European export that Cincinnati has, and for the middle of the midfield to control everything really didn't do much either. And so, but it just felt like United was missing that, that opportunity of front of net. And it's good that two, not just two University of Maryland guys, but just two players in general were able to score. United's had a problem with scoring this entire season. I don't even remember what season it takes me back to, but there was a season where, if it wasn't Dwayne De Rosario or the defense, like United could score. <laughs> Mario probably has the the memory, uh, but there was a season which is similar to this one where United cannot score unless I of a. I want to say it was 2011 because Dwayne De Rosario was scoring goals towards the end of that season. Mm-hmm. Um, 2011 or 2012, one of the two. It's just that. United, in this game in particular, even thinking back to the three games in one week, you know, they're getting chances over and over and repeatedly and unstoppably for a last place team. And yet they can't seem to find the back of the net. But this time it worked. And it's good that they were able to finally find the back of the net twice 
let alone just once, that they were able to find it twice. Right, but the first goal, if we talk about it real quick, that was um, that was a howler. My lord, that that was just bad positioning from Edwards. Everything about that was bad, and Donovan Pines was able to take advantage of it and score Notch's second goal of his career, making Dr. Pines a very happy man right now, or happy father, if you will. Yeah, and I think more credit to him, you know, being smart. And, you know, coaches always tell you on corner kick or set piece situations, do not leave the box, you know, when a ball is set in like that. Do not leave it until the ball is 100% clear. Until then, just stay in the box. You never know when a loose ball will come or, you know, a situation where the ball is free, plays free, go for the shot. And in that case, you know, you said a howler for those who didn't watch the match or unsure what the howler means per se. Um, Cincinnati's goalkeeper goes, I believe his name is Bobby Edwards, goes up for the catch. The ball was going out of bounds, drifting to the left far post. Ball's going out of bounds. Edwards decides to keep the ball in play and try to catch it so he could start an attack. He tips the ball inside, thought the ball bounced out of the line it actually stayed bounced stayed inbounds the rule is the ball has to 100 percent leave the playing field to be considered out the ball hadn't even crossed the line let alone or even sat on the line it stayed inbounds pines happened to be the right place right time had an open net took the ball away goalkeeper obviously out of bounds nowhere in sight and open net goal like that's just being good well aware of the situation and a goalkeeper not timing his jump or just timing where the ball was going. You see the ball going out. Why are you going for that? Yeah, that's the other thing is why why didn't you not have – he didn't have proper possession of the ball. But, yeah, you should have let the ball go out, and, and you would have avoided this situation. But instead, you kind of made a sports center not top 10 player right there, and Donovan Pines was able to take advantage of it and just slot it into the back of the open net. So – it was a badly timed, uh, badly timed play by the goalkeeper, and they and Donovan Pines made him pay for it. You know, at the start of the second half, United had a similar problem where goalkeeper Chris Seitz, who was in for Bill Hamid, attempted to make a save. Uh, wasn't sure if he thought he could catch it or whatever, but the ball ends up squirting after hitting his chest, squirting between between his hands, and falling right in front of Brandon Vasquez, who scored the tying goal, and then leads up to Chris Aduyatsum, who caught the rebound off a shot. I believe that was Griffin Yao's shot. Oh, it was Kevin put it. Put it Kevin put it. This wrong, wrong, big-haired, <laughs> homegrown in my part. My apologies. <laughs> but good. Kevin put Kevin it. This is a long-distance effort. Great save, but... Chris uh, Dewey had some right place, right time. That's what you kind of want from a winger. And he discussed it, uh, his thoughts on the situation, well, what the goal means to him in general. I'll be able to think about it and dwell on it more a little bit later. But, you know, that's all I want to do is just help the team. That's all I've ever wanted to do uh, when I was out. And just to be able to be healthy and, and help the team on the field and, and get a win and help the team win, is uh, that's everything to me. For those who are unaware, Chris Adoyatum uh, battled cancer last uh, during his rookie season with the club. 
You know, Mario, what were your thoughts in general of it being Chris who scored in this moment and overall what you thought of the fact that had a situation where one week we have one Maryland dude and now we got another Maryland dude scoring? <laughs> uh, first off, uh, that makes Sasha Karofsky a very happy man right this moment in time. You darn so. straight. <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely happy for Chris Adui Atsum or Ach- or Adui Achim as Dave Johnson calls him. I was happy because everything he's gone through battling Hodgkin's lymphoma and then, you know, this difficult season, everything that he's gone through, it, it, it culminated in him scoring a goal. And not only a goal, it was a game winning goal. So I was just genuinely happy for him altogether. Honestly, I, I screamed kind of at the top of my lungs when Chris Dewey had some scored. That, that's how happy I was for the guy. So all in all, for what for what it means to him, for what it meant for the team, very, very happy for him. Yeah, and I just want to stay on that a little bit. The Maryland players getting the goals for DC United in a quick second. First, Chris, you know, I was lucky to talk to him when he was getting drafted and, you know, PG zone, Chris are doing at him and you know, he he's very nice and he's quiet. You know, he didn't have social media until his second year as a pro. You know, that tells you what kind of player he is. Very quiet. But he mentioned it during the press conference that players like Bill Hamid and Paul Ariola are wanting him to not have a voice per se, an outward voice, but more of like own your stuff. I'm not going to say the cuss word, but own your stuff essentially. Like if you did it, if you messed up on a play, just say it was me. You know, take ownership. If you made that good pass, instead of being like, "Yeah, we're good," take ownership of that. Being, you know, being resourceful, being out there, being vocal, and not you don't have to be a vocal leader, but just you know, taking up more mantle and responsibility. And I think, especially in the last couple of weeks, like with him getting more playing time, he's really taken up more ownership, especially in that wing position. You see it as a little more solid with him, an actual defender playing a wing role. And then you also have uh, Donovan Pines at center back in for uh, Birnbaum, who's injured. He also delivered a good, another good performance, a consecutive performance by him. Another goal, like we mentioned earlier, he has two goals. And just to put it in perspective, he is, uh, if I get my numbers right, he is now tied for second for the most goals on the club with his two goals. He is tied with another defender, Frederick Briant, the heavy. <laughs> The the heavily departed Federico Iguain and a midfielder who's been playing well recently, uh, Emil Assad, with two. So that tells you how much this team is craving for goals when two of your top four, two of your top five goal scorers are defenders. But, you know, I digress. I think it's just good that these guys who, have been, who were sitting the bench last season weren't getting a lot of minutes, you know. With the Wayne Rooney coming in and the club really trying to get a push to go to the playoffs to win MLS Cup last year. Just felt like, you know, Donovan Pines got hurt, lost his starting job to Briant, who was having a good year. Didn't look like he was going to get a shot. Chris Duyatsum finally gets out of, you know, his cancer treatments, but the club was a little wary of restarting him. Felt like, no disrespect to Ben Olsen here, but it feels like because everybody's fighting for their job per se, 
everybody's looking out for themselves, this is their time to shine. Show that either they can stay and hang or, hey, other MLS club over here, I'm ready for you to trade for me. And I think that that was what I took out of it, that these two guys are ready to be contributors going forward. Right, and also to add on to the leading goal scorers this season, uh, the team's leading goal scorer is, oddly enough, a guy that we have criticized on on this podcast, one Ola Kamara with three. But but let the record show, he has not scored a goal since he said, this is the best shape I have felt in my life back three weeks ago. Actually, I can counter that he scored against New York off a penalty kick. I, I I'm not think counting sc- that penalty kick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a goal on the... He hasn't scored a goal off the run of play since he said that. But I digress. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they've been playing well these last couple of games. Pines and Adui Atsum have been key contributors to the way that DC United's been playing under Chad Ashton. And so they... They're, they're really buying for a top spot to for not maybe not a starter position for next season, but definitely some someone to be con- two players to be considered for important roles within the team next season. And I think just how the team's played under Chad Ashton in these last couple of games, they've been playing really well. They've gained their confidence back in their mojo somewhat since the departure of Ben Olsen. And it's a it's a breath of fresh air to say the least, coming uh, coming from how this team had been performing. I mean, the last two games under Ben Olsen against Atlanta and New York City FC, they they could tell once they 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 went down, they felt defeated. Under Chad Ashton, there there is no that sense of we're gonna drop up. Okay, they were t- we've dropped the. We don't have the lead. I guess this is going. This is the end for us. We're donezo. No, there's a there's a sense of of resiliency about this team under Chad Ashton in the last couple of games, and it showed they're playing for Chad Ashton. Maybe they're not playing for a playoff spot, and I think we've regurgitated that enough. But you know, they're playing for their jobs here, and they're playing and they're playing to be considered for. For next season to be in the team, or like you said, hey, other MLS team, you want me? Come get me on a trade. So they've done well, and I, I think they're going to continue to play well moving forward. Maybe it won't lead to a playoff to to the playoffs, but it'll lead to a better end of of the season than how the season was going probably like a week or two ago. Yeah, morale's definitely improved, and you know, Chad mentions it in his press conference quote yeah I, I think it's big you know it's it would be difficult to to have the week that we've had um play as well as we've played and 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 not end up with three points to be rewarded um you know i, I think just puts us in a, a good place mentally um helps us move forward helps us believe in in what we're doing that we're doing the right things that we are paying attention to little details and those details are, are making the difference. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a really long, difficult week on so many levels. And um, you could even say that of the entire year, you know, there are just so many guys out and there's so much adversity that, that we've dealt with and the group has dealt with, especially 
over the course of, of the last week that, uh, again, it's a testament to these guys' character that, um, that they just kept going and, and they left it all out there. That is Chad Ashton. I will add a little bit to what you're saying is what I love is the willingness to not be afraid to play guys in their proper spots, even though you're short a couple of guys, you know, starting with Gilman Rivas up front versus Ola Kamara, Flores starting, even though he only played, like, this was the most he's played uh, this season up to the surgery, you know, and then you have Pine starting for Birnbaum, Moses Neiman, Nyman gets a start for Russell Knauss due to the uh, yellow card accumulation. And I think Moses really stood out and I kind of want to see him more, <laughs> you know, it kind of sucks because Russell ended last season with talks about going back to Germany. And then now this, you know, Moses is going to get more looks now just by that performance and his performances of the year. And so I'm pretty impressed on what Chad is doing. Obviously, they're still weirdly in the playoff race with four matches to go. They play Atlanta this sun Saturday at 4 p.m. Personally, I don't even want the team to focus on the playoffs, even though I should be focusing on the playoffs. But I just I'm I'm the pessimistic DC United fan that says the moment they think of something different, they're gonna fail. I've seen it happen with this club before. And so the moment they think positive, negative strikes twice. Again, we mentioned 2013 uh, a lot uh, recently. I am not comfortable until I see them pass 18 points. You know, it's just just the the pessimism in me is like no, I, there's no comfort in this world for me. I'm actually begging that they give us some of those Colorado Rapid games that were forced to be rescheduled or canceled due to the coronavirus. I'll take them just to see if DC United could get over 18 points. That's how I am not sure yet, and not gonna say United's gonna make the playoffs unless they really make a push. Right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it right now. I'm more focused on I'm just going to take as a fan. I'm going to take this as a game at one game at a time because you don't know what happens. And especially with only four games left in the season. Yes, they're 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 They have a chance of making the playoffs, but this could also blow up in your face. I now take solace that we have more points than we did in 2013. Now, we're. Where this may get interesting is, do you start the homegrowns for most of these games at this point? Because, let's face it, Moses, Griffin, and Kevin have all been playing extremely well when called upon. So, there are some players that should be worried about their starting jobs. And looking that you're getting shown up by a 17-year-old. As for Gelman Rivas, um, I appreciate all his efforts, by the way. I'm just going to go out and say that man battles through everything. He battles for every ball. He, he goes for it. I mean, the best, the best representation of that is this man literally did a flip outside on the, on the sponsor board and was A-OK. But... But... <laughs> Then they brought in Ola Kamara, and we talked about this yesterday. Moses Nyman made a play of absolute filthy proportions. It was beautiful. And crossed the ball, only for Ola Kamara to outrun the ball for the umpteenth time. 
So I think with that being said is there is no excuse that Ola Ola Kamara as the number nine, the starting number nine, he shouldn't have an excuse of not creating his own opportunities. Gelman Rivas is getting to it. Why? Why can't you? That's all I got to say. I know people are going to say is in Columbus in L.A. he had service. But even then, you're getting service from certain players, and you're just outrun. You're you're just misreading the plays, and it's kind of frustrating. Well, the main reason I said but originally was because Gelman still hasn't scored. The man is given effort the past three matches he has started, but he has just not scored. It's just not there, and I. I it's like it's like we call it la uh, povera mojada. And that's what our parents would call it. Like the firework is wet. You know, he's just like not, it's not sparking at all. The man is given effort after effort after effort after effort. And it just either goes off the bar, hits the bar, gets saved, gets saved, grows out of bounds. Like the man is doing everything possible. And you're just hoping that hopefully he gets a goal because it looks like it could turn into bunches. He's just not scoring. As for Kamara, the player's wretched. For those who didn't see it, the kid literally Moses nutmegs a guy from behind after a high bounce on the rough turf, controls it, finds a way to nutmeg the guy, and then delivers a beautiful half field cross. And Ola Kamara outruns him. He outruns the ball. He sees the ball coming in the air. You can slow down, yet he decides. I'm just going to outrun this thing, and maybe, just maybe, it hits the back of my head. Like, I don't know what he was thinking, (laughs) to be honest with you. I saw that it was really high, but it was the perfect ball. You had to center that, and the way he delivered it was excellent. And I saw someone put this on Twitter, and next season's going to be so interesting to see the striker core. Because, honestly, I'm slowly starting to believe no one's coming back in in the current striker pool. I honestly think... Well, Kamara is going to be picked up in the expansion draft. I believe Sorg is going back home. And I think Gelman Rivas is going to find his 90th club to play in his career. <laughs> I, I'm really at the point. I, I think I'm, a little, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit different here. I think Gelman Rivas plays the first part of the season. And he leaves midway through the season to his 90th club of his career. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm at the point now where... I, the three of them, Sarka had a nice game as he started as well, but he was also prone to let me hit it as had they played for the University of Cincinnati, DC and I would have really helped in their field goal percentage because there were just so many shots that they hit over the crossbar. I felt like DC United had it been a field goal percent percentage, extra point wise and conversion rate, they were five for five. But 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 playing soccer, they were over five because they were all over the bar, side to the bar, left to the bar, right to the bar, straight at the keeper. It's just it's so weird that this striker core could not score to save their own lives. Again, we said Ola Kamara has three, but I'm pretty sure like two of those goals have been on penalty kicks. Now, it's just amazing to me that they 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 generate these opportunities. They just can't put it on target. And meanwhile, defenders who by nature, according to somebody, is like, they're not usually the best finishers in the world, are finishing these opportunities. <laughs> they're finishing them. 
Chris and Dewey Atsum tap the ball in like like the like some of the best strikers in the world with ease. Don, Donovan Pines was able to take advantage of a howler. Well, and, even to just add on to that, Pines and Brianna both hit header goals with much more precision than any of our strikers. Exactly. And so it's fascinating but mind-boggling how this striker core can't strike to save their own life. The only saving grace for them this year in MLS in general is there's a star, another star striker out in Los Angeles that just can't seem to get go, get go, get goals to save his own life to begin with. Yeah, I haven't checked the stats on Chicharito's numbers, but I can I am comfortable in saying I believe if you add our defenders, I think our defense has outscored Chicharito Hernandez. I am comfortable in saying that Mario may be waste the whole the rest of this time of this podcast trying to look this up. I don't care, but I, I believe our defenders combined. Oh, trust has... me, no, they, they, I think they have outscored uh, Chicharito Hernandez this season. Hell, yeah. Emil Saad's outscored Javier Chicharito Hernandez. <laughs> With just two. All right. So at six <laughs> at two. All right. But that just says, you know, how well our defense has been playing, even in a battered year where they've surrendered so many goals. But I blame that mostly on injuries. Whereas the core of the front, they just haven't scored. And next season should be interesting in how that's going to look and shape out. Right. So I, I think the one thing you need to look for next season is beefing up or restructuring that whole striking core. Agreed. Moving on to other topics. Since Ben Olsen's removal from head coach, there's been a plethora of names been added on to DC United's coaching search being reported by multiple media outlets. The recent names added to the list were five black coaches, according to the Washington Post this past Sunday. Most notable name that has been since confirmed by his club is head coach Michael Nielsen of FC Tulsa. Now, Mr. Nielsen signed but never played for the LA Galaxy in 2005. He took charge of Tulsa in 2018 on an interim basis and then permanently took charge on the 2019 season. This past year, they finished second place in Group D in the USL as well as going on a seven-game unbeaten streak to help them get back to the playoffs. Before we get to the club statements and the other names on the Washington Post black coaches list, Mara, what are your thoughts on United seemingly going into this push that MLS is trying to do as part of their, you know, working with the Black Players for Change coalition on getting black coaches involved in their coaching search? I think it's a good start. I mean, honestly, just like just to get the just to have a black coach, it's, it's a rarity in this league. If we're going to be completely honest here, you could name very few off the top of your head. I think the one of the most prominent ones was Dennis Hamlin when he coached Chicago. Now the general manager at the New York Red Bulls. But I like it. I, I like the way that they're going with this. They have they're seeming to cat not only cast a wide net for um. For, for head coaches, but also they they want to be an inclusive when looking for a head coach as much as possible. But now aligning with the uh, with this with the uh, beliefs and the changes that MLS wants to implement going forward. 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm a little taken aback if for those who, you know, for those you guys who are new to the podcast or never heard or seen me talk before in this kind of manner, I'm always skeptical of what DC does because I know the behind the scenes for, you know, for those who know, don't know, you know, I work part time whenever the stadium opens as guest services. So I've interacted with the ins and outs of DC United in the past. And I'm always skeptical on what DC United does. One example being uh, when they instituted the bag policy, even with so much advance notice, because DC United was trying to attract, uh, attract a new type of fan, they ended up not really not preparing themselves for the backlash that the NFL gets with their back policy. And then they ended up reversing it three games into the introduction of Audi field. In this case, while it's a good thing that they have these coaches lined up and everything, I've, I kind of have to agree with the trolling that's been going on in DC on DC United web circles, where many of the fans are like, very jaded and the club has earned that kind of skepticism where it looks like they're doing something for good PR. And then at the end of the day, we're going to end up with a coach that we don't believe should be a candidate or a coach that isn't qualified or a coach that does not represent the club in the correct manner. Um, But in terms of the list, I think that these candidates are good candidates. You know, you're, you, some of the names that are there besides uh, Michael Nielsen, you have assistant coaches like Ezra H- Henderson, uh, Tyrone Marshall, and Patrice Vernier, a legend in Canada. And one name that's in particular that just withdrew his name is C.J. Brown, former D.C. United player, who was most recently with the New York Red Bulls um, as an assistant coach. So it's so interesting to see some the names that are there. MLS is not outside the bounds of hiring an assistant coach. And so just like in the NFL, you know, the assistant coach as much as a coach as the, the head coach, especially in soccer. So I'm glad that these coaches are getting a chance, but don't give me all these names. And at the end of the day, you hire, you know, some MLS retread. And I'm not going to say why guy, because it could be any kind of retread really, but don't give me all these Names and then you end up hiring, you know, Jason Christ, for example. That's the name that everybody seems to be afraid of, or you know, or or other names out there that are retreads. I know you you mentioned one in the previous podcast. Who uh, correct me if I'm wrong? Didn't he used to coach uh, Houston Dynamo? Oh, one Dominic Kinnear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not moving forward. That's not sexy. <laughs> that's not even moving forward. Remember, we said this in the previous podcast. This is a team trying to get to MLS 3.0. They currently have an MLS 2.0 roster, and you're asking for the king of the MLS 2.0 to come in and take charge of this movement forward. That wouldn't be a good idea, but I share the fan skepticism on that just because of DC Knight's history. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of shared a little bit as well. Uh, me being a former member of a supporters group for the club, uh, I haven't really mentioned this. I, too, used to work for the club at one point in time, but 
more on the retail side. I used to work at the team store, but you got to see some of the ins and outs, not as much as Jose does. Got, got to see more of the ins and outs of the club. But, yeah, I mean, I share some of their skepticism because they, we have had hopes in the past, and we've gotten burned by those hopes by getting something, by getting someone or getting something that isn't particularly what what the fan base wanted. Now, with the names that have been mentioned, other than Neeson, uh, Ezra Hendrickson, Tyrone Marshall, Patrice, uh, Patrice Bernier, and C.J. Brown, I mean, these are guys that not only seem to be qualified because all of them are assistant coaches. Also, these are guys that played in MLS, so they have experience in the league. These are guys that know the ins and outs of the league. On top of that, they've seen it grown. Like, for example, Tyler Marshall and Ezra Hendrickson were teammates in 2002 when the LA Galaxy won the MLS Cup. So they've seen they've seen the growth of this league and they've been at this for a long time. Patrice Bernier has seen the growth of what is the Montreal impact in the MLS playing a couple of years there. CJ Brown has been another guy that's been in this league from about the beginning of the beginning of his inception, playing for the Chicago Fire mostly. But yeah, these are guys that you want to see succeed and you want to see get an opportunity at coaching an MLS team. They have the experience by being assistants to other good head coaches, to other head coaches, and they have the experience of playing in the league, so why not give them a shot? And so to that, I mean, as well, just to piggyback on what you said about seeing another retread, I personally am pretty scared that they may go the Jason Christ route. Not saying that Jason Christ is a bad coach, it's just that. We've seen it done before, and so you want to move forward, and you want to think for you want to think more for want to be more forward thinking, and not go backwards in that in that thinking. Saying we want to go forward, but you're taking two steps back. Yeah, and just to finish up on you know uh, Nielsen real quick, so it was confirmed by FC Tulsa that DC United did reach out uh, and wanted to speak with him. And this is the quote from uh, FC Tulsa President James Cannon on the matter. Barring any opportunity changing our 2021 plans, we expect our intention is that Coach Nielsen will lead our club on the pitch for years to come, unquote. So they already see Nielsen not accept any job. However, you know, It'll be interesting, and I'm actually appreciative that United's going to the second division, third division route, and just broadening the horizons. I think we spoke in the last podcast. If you got dreams, dream big, and this is one of those situations. If you do see that, you know, outside of the initiatives that they're trying to do with the Black Players Coalition, if you see a candidate that you like, expand your horizons, but make sure you, just like a college, like a high school student would do for colleges, have your dream coach, have your, maybe I could get in coach the, Ooh, that'd be cool, but it's not my tops, but I would be awesome if I could get coach and just have a list. Don't limit yourself. And so I'm glad to see that there's so many names involved in this, in this coaching search. Now, we did mention Jason Kreis. Uh, he's currently the U23 national team head coach, uh, and he has guided three MLS teams. That's not, you know, you know, it would be a retread because of his past failures in his past two coaching spots. But let's not kid ourselves. Like, the man has got a resume, you know, when he led 
uh, Real Salt Lake all the way to the CONCACAF Champions League final, something DC United hasn't done in nearly over a decade. So there's that. Exactly. Exactly. Recently, Steve Chirondolo was on ESPN uh, helping with Bundesliga commentary. He's a former U.S. national team defender. He's currently coaching on the U23 side and the U20 sides in Germany. I wouldn't mind DC United trying to talk to him, but I feel like he has such a high stature position in Germany. But it's interesting that United has him on the list. We spoke about Jill Ellis in the past, John Harks who is the head coach of third division side Greenville Triumphant in and South and a DC United legend, but currently coaching down in South Carolina. And lastly, Richie Williams, uh, another DC United uh, legend, uh, currently an assistant over at the New York Revolution. Uh, before we get into another candidate that I put in this sheet that's going to make Mario laugh, Mario, outside of these black, the black coaches that golf put out there, there's these names. You know, what sticks out to you the most out of these new, these other names that the club is considering? Um, I think one of the things that sticks out is, again, you're willing to, uh, they're willing to expand their horizons just to find a head coach. Uh, the Charendolo thing's a little bit interesting because, you know, he doesn't really, it, it does it doesn't really have the experience of coaching in MLS or playing in MLS because he's built his whole career in Germany. But I think it's interesting because he has a willingness to coach in MLS, like he said. And DC United has a need. So I, I'm definitely intrigued on what kind of a coach Steve Chirendolo is, because I can't really get a proper gauge on him. While as Richie Williams he coached a game, weirdly enough, against DC United because Bruce Arena was suspended. And I'm not afraid to say it. He kind of coached circles around Ben Olsen. You could see that the players were receptive to his ideas. He was able to cha- uh, make uh, decisions on the fly. So Richie Williams would be a pretty decent coach. On top of that, he does have experience coaching under the DC United system as he was the first ever head coach for Loud United. John Harks is another... Another guy that I think does a lot more with less, but we shall see. I mean, I, I, I'd be completely honest to say I haven't really ga- also gauged what John Harks is, is, but, uh, is as a head coach. But I think that they're willing to cast a wide net pretty much is intriguing to me. And, it's easy, and again, they're taking the we're expanding our horizons to find a new he- to find our new head coach. Yeah, just listening to Steve Chirondolo on commentary, it was it was very interesting the way he was analyzing players, the way he was looking at tactics, and he was open to criticize Joachim Lowe, who's technically his boss right now. And so the fact that he feels like he can that he could do that and then provide the analysis first off. If he quits coaching, he's going to be a great analyst. Like, the man is really, really good. And so, um, okay. but, and, one of the most underrated left backs in USMT history. Exactly. Of course he's good. Yeah, exactly. So, if these – yes, he hasn't been hired at all as a coach in the pro level or for a club level, but it would be good to, you know, just have a talk with him. My, I know we're skipping around it a little bit because we kind of discussed – it in the past two episodes i'm only curious what did the club think of joe ellis you know ben olsen said he's confirmed to 
to the media that he did interview Ellis for an assistant coach job. Obviously, she didn't get it. I'm interested just to know what is the club's overall general view of Jill is. Because if she couldn't get an assistant coach job for a coach that, I'm going to be honest here, has the similar tactics of him, but just more perfected. I wonder what they would think of her as a head coach. It's just, I'm, I'm more, I'm fascinating by that. Um, a couple of coaches that aren't here, you know, we, we have Hugo Perez, a uh, former USMT player who's very known in the USMT circles, um, currently youth development in Mexico. He's already thrown his name out in the hat. I don't know if DC United seen his interest in the job, but that'd be of note. Um, Another free agent that nobody's talked about, but I think is something to consider because we like laughing at each other, is Jurgen Klinsman. I, 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 hey, look, if we're going to go expanding the horizons, Jurgen Klinsman will get the credit for credit is due for rebuilding Germany and for honestly pushing kids to Europe. I mean, you can, you can put, you can thank. Him for all of that, and if we're talking about United needs to be a full rebuild, you bring a guy who wants to do a full rebuild, and if you're gonna, or at least have the thought of maybe bringing him not as a GM, but maybe the president of soccer operations, and that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're gonna, you gotta think big, think big. You know, last episode we talked about Marcelo Gallardo, and that would be great, but you're talking about investing millions and millions of dollars on possibly something that may not last a year. At least with Klinsmann, he knows how to establish a program in like in Germany and like with the US be there for years and years. I think he's being miscast as a coach. I think if he's a president of soccer operations, he wouldn't be doing the crazy things he does as a coach. I agree. I mean, I laughed a little just because, remember, we, we both have a wonderful history of watching Jurgen Klinsmann as a USMT head coach. As a USMT head coach, he was a crazy human being. He was, or, he was out there. It didn't really work out. As president of soccer operations, he's brilliant. He, know, he weirdly enough, got all these players to – he recruited all these players to play for the U.S. men's national team. If you get him in a soccer operations role with DC United, I'm pretty to use those talents to create, to recruit players, to play like he did with the men's national team and build up a program like he did in Germany. You got a pretty good winning combination going on here just because A, it's the name recognition of Jurgen Klinsmann altogether, and B, it's a guy that. Ha, has this weird vision. Maybe it doesn't pan out as a head coach, but as an executive, it's a vision that pans out perfectly. And I think I think there, I don't think you should consider him as a head coach. Maybe a managerial position. And if they decide to let go of Kevin Payne, why not make him a general manager? He he seem he has a good a good track record behind him. So why not? Mm. Well, let me help you there. It's not Kevin Payne. It's Dave Casper. Kevin Payne is long gone. Uh, I got you. I got you. Thank you, good sir. I apologize for my faux pas. (laughs) Oh, no, I was thinking Kevin Payne there. We all wish we still had the crazy man-child known as Kevin Payne. I totally (laughs) understand. But um, before we get off this topic, 
real quick. But I was just, you know, something to throw out there. Because, again, I just like all these names. They're different names being reported. It's not just D.C. United's already got, you know. I remember when they were looking for coaches before Ben, and it was the Kurt Onofo situation. There was no names. And it was just Kurt Onofo. And I, you couldn't help but ask why. And so... Especially when Plecky was... Uh, was a vi- was being mentioned as another viable candidate at the time. Exactly. But before we move on, I have to ask the question. If Chad Ashton does well in this, you know, the rest of the season, there's four matches remaining. If he does well, should he be considered? You know what? In the sake of fairness, I say yes, because... Yeah, I think the small sample size has just been the few games he's been in charge as an interim. Uh, the team seems to respond well to him. They've been they've had like this little extra pep in their step, and there's a lot more motivation. So, if he continues with the decent track that he's going in the last couple of games and finishing off the season strong, then yeah, Chad Ashton should be considered for the job. I only say ask this question because I think Chad would be able to keep. Um, the current youth setup. And I think if United's going to keep the way they're going, we already see their three homegrowns and the way they're performing. And the Loudon guys, there are a couple that are going to Europe now. So if we're seeing everything, I feel like with Chad, everything would stay the same. That's working would stay the same. And what we've noticed, Chad is not afraid to bench a player if he's not performing or is not afraid to test something but keep it within the system. And I think that's what's been lacking in terms of DC United's overall development as a team the past 10 years is just lacking of form, a system that they're going to stay. And I think going forward, if whoever comes in is going to have to follow a system. And so if Chad stays, I feel like the majority of the youth technical directors, the youth staff will stay and whatever the plans are with the youth academy now that it's free for the kids will stay yeah. will stay the same and there's not going to be a upheaval because that is a concern. Like, yeah, they're kids, they'll, they'll you know, they're good, they're talented, they'll, they'll adjust, but there is something to say about staying in the same program not a lot of people you know the best example is the Messia right now in Barcelona they've had so many changes since Pep Guardiola left that there hasn't been many players developed out of that youth academy so I just look at that and you think about that and you go well if Chad can keep this up (laughs) maybe you have to consider Consider it. And plus, let's talk about the reality. DC9 is cheap. I don't think Chad is that expensive. Just saying. I mean, if they want to keep him around, I could I could see a not so far fetched idea that he coaches Loudon United where you get to work with a lot of these young players. So there there's another possibility there. Yep. But um to close out the show, we wanted to give a little bit of a shout out last week. The spirit did win uh, two weeks ago, actually spirit did win their final match in the uh, fall series. And it was official thanks to a three, three draw between North Carolina and Orlando that the spirit will finishes in third place. 
of the fall series, earning them $10,000 grant from Verizon community, the Verizon Community Shield, as it's being called for, finishing with the third best amount of points. In addition with that, ownership will match that donation and distribute it equally among the team's other community partners. Um, we just wanted to mention it that, you know, it's good that all these organizations are going to get money and the spirit ends the season on a high. And they got some call-ups at the end of the season as three players have him called up. You have Aubrey Bledsoe called up as goalkeeper into a U.S. women's national team camp along with Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez. Mario, what are your thoughts overall on the spirit ending the year on a high note, finishing third, and now having their players finally recognized by the U.S. women's national team? It's all coming together in one beautiful plan, and I love it. Um, I think just how they performed throughout the season, they deserve to be in, they deserve to, to finish th- on the top three. Uh, and of the three players getting called up, Aubrey Bledsoe, Ashley Hatch, and Ashley Sanchez, it's a recognition to them on how well they played throughout, let's face it, throughout this bizarre, this bizarre, this bizarre year, uh, the season, no, as, tw- as the 2020 season in WSL. But it, it's a recognition because they played extremely well. They were centerpieces to the Spirit's success this season. So, they, I, I frankly think they deserve those call-ups and congratulations on getting called up to the women's national team. And as for the Spirit, I think this was a culmination of of, of really good work by Richie Burt and how and a proper team performance performances all around. So all in all, it was a good year for the Spirit, all things considering. Yeah, most definitely, and the th- especially the three call-ups you have: Ashley Hatch, who's been the leading scorer since last season performing well and, and coming in this year, even with rumors in the midpoint after the tournament that she'd be traded and this, that, and the third. She kept it professional, and she was a real linchpin in the front. She, she holds the ball excellently uh, up front and takes shots at will, and finally, they serve her the ball so she can hit, connect the crosses, and I think that the Spirit really have found what works for Hatch it's good that she's finally getting recognized. Sanchez, I mean, if they're going to give out Rookie of the Year, there's just nobody who's been better. She is the Rookie of the Year. They call her, you know, I think they called her, like, you know, the the future or the diamond of the future, whatever they're calling her now. Like, she is the future. Like, I can totally Man, see her. Rookie of the Year, just for that cross alone during the Challenge Cup, <laughs> I will be highly, highly upset. She's a She's a... She's the engine, the motor, and the team did not lose a step when they all thought that, you know, hey, they're sending a couple players out, you know, they lose Rosa Val. They didn't lose a step with Ashley Hatch put in the, to the Rosa Val role. I didn't think they lost a step at all. And then Aubrey Bledsoe, this has been a culmination of two years of hard work. And don't be surprised if she wins the number one starting position. Like, she is really good at commanding her box, commanding everything around her, and she's just a good shot stopper. I There's just, look, I love Ashton Harris, and I love the U.S. Women's National Team currently, but next year, it's another year under those legs. You're going to need someone fresh if you're going into Japan. And so 
two years straight, the, Aubrey Bledsoe has dominated this league. And I just, you got it. She may take that number one spot. She's as aggressive, probably the most aggressive since I've seen Hope Solo commanding that position. And that's a high regard, high compliment. Hope was aggressive. And she she intimidated forwards every time she was on the field. So, and Aubrey Bledsoe does the same exact thing. So it's good for her to finally be recognized. And Richie Burke had been begging like almost every press conference that she needs to be called up. So hopefully that tempers his uh, expectations for next season. But um, just some things to keep a watch out for, for Spirit fans. Most definitely November 4th, the Spirit and the rest of the NWSL clubs will announce their protective list. So it will be interesting to see who gets protected and who gets left unprotected on November 5th. And, and that will that's the day it will be made public. It will be after this podcast is the following podcast. Not this podcast, but the podcast of that week. The list will be already out, and then we'll discuss who was left off. And then we have the expansion draft. Dun, so dun, dun. we'll see who may or may not. And we'll talk about it when we get closer to those dates on who may or may not be on the Spirit roster next upcoming season. But that's enough for us. I am running out of breath, and I'm tired. And I know Mario would love to get a nap. So, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more info about you. All right. If you want to hear anything about anything soccer-related or just watch me tweet about how rich homie Quan and young thug should have a versus battle on Instagram, you can follow me on Twitter, at MarioMaya1. You can follow all my stories at, and follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well, at El Tiempo Latino or ElTiempoLatino.com if you want to read it over the interwebs. Or if you want a physical newspaper, located at your local metro station. Bad rappers. <laughs> Having a battle. Bad idea. In any <laughs> event, for the rest of you who are still listening thank you for tuning into the battle and breeze fc podcast reminder you may follow me as well at jose underscore m underscore mania for more information and content special shout out as always to kevin mcleod and patek for the intro music remember rate subscribe always on anchor spotify and all your audio platforms thank you for tuning into the battle and breeze fc podcast from me and mario thank you and hope to hear from you soon. Adios. Adios.